Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Darker Demons. When we left off last week, Alexandra was reading the book that Simha had given her, the book that's the history of the Anantan from 10,000 years earlier. And that's where we are, and the book is available on Amazon.com and also on my website at OceansEnding.com. Okay. We four went up into the hills and spent many days and nights following the group. One by one, my three companions found suitable mounts. I was the last. I came upon my creature standing beneath a waterfall. He is larger than the others and black as the night sky. I held out my hand and he came to me. He chose me. I asked for his name. He lifted his head upwards. I followed his gaze, and I saw the sphere we called Janus, so he was named. Rejoining the group, I asked Rowena if she can see where we will eventually end our journey. She is a time seer, able to see past, present, and future as one. Nodding, she answers. Yes, one day the gateway will reopen, where we make our home. I ask what she means. <clears throat> the gateway is open, and I see no reason for it to close, I say. She tells me many Anantan will follow in our footsteps, but one will betray us all and cause the destruction of the gateway. It will remain out of our sight for many thousands of years until one day a key will be given, a key that will restore the gateway. That is all she will tell me, no matter how much I beg her for more of the story. Perhaps I will see the story unfold before my own eyes. The book goes on to tell the travels of the Anantan. Alexandra comes to a section that describes a great statue of Simha built in a desert kingdom. There is a drawing of what is very obviously the Sphinx, as it was in the beginning, before much of it was buried in the shifting sands. She wonders how many drawings and carvings of wondrous beasts of the ancient world were really inspired by the Anantan. She continues reading. <clears throat> Today we cross paths with travelers from another realm. They told us some from their party had traveled across the water and settled on an island they call Atal Antis, claiming they have created a glorious city, much like the ones we left behind. We are doubtful. They say, go and see for yourselves but we tell them we have our own cities to build. Our reading is interrupted by a young couple arriving on the roof to enjoy the view. They apologize, but she assures them she was about to leave, <clears throat> and gathering her belongings, she heads down the steps. It is already late in the afternoon, and Alexandra finds herself thinking of the coven and looking forward to her return. It has already begun to feel like home. Arriving at the white-washed... <laughs> white-washed building which houses the coven, Alexandra seeks out Dawn to ask what she makes of the mysterious book and the strange man who gave it to her. She finds her in the main room studying a map. <clears throat> What's this, she asks Dawn. It is an ancient map of the area that is now the British Isles, Dawn tells her. But that doesn't look like an island. It's attached to the mainland, Alexandra says. I guess they didn't teach you ancient geography in the college you attended, Dawn says, laughing. The British Isles used to be a peninsula. This is the approximate area of one of the first covens. It's near Rosslyn Cathedral. 
The mention of Rosalind reminds Alexander of her old friend. It feels like she has lived a lifetime since the last time they were together. Dawn notices the book Alexandra is clutching and asks what it is. This is the reason I was looking for you, she says. A very odd man, warlock. Honestly, I don't know what he was. He gave it to me. It is the history of the Anantan on this planet. At least that's what he claimed. Grabbing the book, Dawn quickly scans the pages. This is it, she says excitedly. This is the book I was telling you about. Where did this man come from? How did he find you? Holding her hands up to stop the stream of questions, Alexandra says, I don't know, and I don't know. I was on the roof of the cathedral, and he suddenly appeared. He took my hand, and I felt like I was lost in space, like I was dissolving into infinity. He pulled me back from the edge, then handed me the book and disappears. Dawn flips to the end of the book. With a shocked expression, she hands the book back to Alexandra. Pointing to the last page, she says, look at what it says. Taking it, Alexandra looks at the page. It says, you are the key. The book of the Anantan is yours. You are the chosen. It is dated year zero. Shocked, Alexandra says, so it is true. I guess I didn't really believe it before. We need to study this. The answer is in here. Alexandra asks, are we still going to England now that we have the book? I don't know. Let's study it first, then decide, Dawn says. They sit down together in the room overlooking the sea. Alexandra takes the tome and begins reading aloud. Before long, they are joined by the other members of the coven. It is dark by the time she finishes. Candles have been lit, glasses of wine poured. So it seems the answers we are searching for will be found in Scotland, Alexandra says as she closes the book. <clears throat> Jake, Jake, Aaron, and Samir have visited almost every coven within a 100-mile radius of London. None of the witches have heard from Magdalene. None have heard from Alexandra. The last place they visit is a small coven located in Epsom. There they encounter a witch who claims to have arrived with the first group of travelers from Privy. Her name is Esmeralda. <clears throat> Informing the trio she has not heard anything from Alexander, she says, We did have a visit from Magdalene, hiding in the body of a human man. She also asked about Alexandra, but we gave her no information. We had none to give and wouldn't have shared it with her in any case. She is an evil spirit. Excitedly, Jake asks if Esmeralda knows why Magdalene chose to come to England. Yes, I know. She is searching for a book, Esmeralda says. Confused, Jake asks what book could possibly be so important. Allow me to explain. When we first arrived here, one of my group, Simha, began keeping a journal. It is the history of the Anantan here on Gaia, or Earth as the humans call it. Simha pledged to be not only the keeper, but the chronicler. He gathered news of the Anantan as he traveled and added it to the history. He is in London, and to the best of my knowledge, he is still in possession of the book, perhaps still adding to it. It is not an easy task to persuade him to part with information. If he likes you, he will tell you anything. If he doesn't, you will be lucky to escape with your life. We heard Magdalene visited him, but came away empty-handed. Here is the address. If you go, go with care. 
Taking the paper from Esmeralda's hand, Jake thanks her profusely. Esmeralda shakes her head. No need to thank me. I know the story of Magdalene and Lorelei and Lorelei's child. If she is the key to our gateway home, I will do anything I can to help you find her. Jake asks, what do you mean the key to a gateway home? Surprised, Esmeralda asks Jake if he is unfamiliar with the history of how the Anantan had come to Gaia and Alexandra's part in helping them all to return home. I've heard the history of the gateways. I've also heard the legend of the key, but I don't see what that has to do with Alexandra. Shaking her head, she replies, do you think we are all concerned with Alexandra's safety simply because she is the charming child of Lucian and Lorelei? What other reason could there be, Jake asks, becoming concerned. You still don't understand? Alexandra is the key. At least, that is what most of us believe, Esmeralda tells him. Shaken by the news, Jake turns to Samir. Did you know about this, he demands. Nodding, Samir answered. Yes, I assumed you did as well, my friend. Angrily, Jake responds, well, I did not. So it's not just Magdalene we have to worry about. Esmeralda hesitates before telling Jake there are many who search for Alexandra. Her father is also looking for her, and there could be others as well. The one who controls the passages will possess a great power. That is why it is imperative you visit Simha as soon as possible, Esmeralda says. The three express their gratitude again and decide to spend the night in Epsom before heading back to confront the formidable Simha. At least these past two days have not been a total loss, Jake says. If we can get Simha to talk to us, he may be able to help us find Alexandra. Samir looks doubtful. I know this creature, he says. He is unlike the rest of you. He will not be swayed by charm or wit or even your good intentions. He can see clear through to the heart of the matter, and if he doesn't like what he sees, he may kill you, just as Esmeralda said. I can go alone, Jake says. I don't see any reason for all of us to take the risk. Samir assures Jake Simha's power is no threat to him. And I won't let you go without me, Aaron adds. It's three or none. So it's settled. We will go together tomorrow, Jake says. Once his companions have gone to their rooms, Jake prepares to leave for London alone. He writes a note for Aaron saying, I will meet you tomorrow at Brown's Hotel. Tell Samir I appreciate his help, but this one I need to do alone. I will see you soon, my friend. Still seething from her treatment at the hands of Simha, Magdalene spends most of her time in Scotland, aimlessly roaming the streets of Edinburgh. She hasn't visited the nearby covens or Rosslyn Chapel. She is on another fruitless walk when her phone rings. It is Azurine, one of the witches from the Epsom coven. Magdalene had met Azurine on her visit to Epsom. None of the witches there had heard anything of Alexandra, but they invited Magdalene to stay for the night. Esmeralda recognized Magdalene behind the visage of Tom. She put forth the invitation to stay, hoping to learn something of value from the witch. One of the younger members of the coven volunteered to spend time with her. She claimed it would be in an effort to make Magdalene relax and let her guard down. 
Esmeralda feared the young witch was attracted to the handsome man. Azurine offered to take Magdalene on a tour of the surrounding area. Despite knowing Tom was possessed by the female spirit, Azurine could not ignore the attraction she felt. The two strolled the streets together, arm in arm. Azurine led her away from the town and up into the hills. They found a secluded spot and made love in the open air, gazing at the stars. Magdalene enjoyed the body of the young witch, her soft skin and gentle touch. She was briefly able to forget everything and become the caring soul she had once been. Preparing to leave the next morning, she pulled Azurine aside. If you hear anything of Alexandra, or if anyone comes looking for her, you are to call me. Here is my number, Magdalene told her. I promise. Will you be returning, Azurine asks. I don't know. Would you like me to? Magdalene responded. You know I would, Azurine said, taking Magdalene's hand and placing it on her breast. Pulling away, Magdalene replied, we'll see. Now Azurine is calling, hopefully with good news. Hello, Azurine, do you have information for me, Magdalene says. Yes, three travelers visited here today. They were asking about Alexandra, Azurine tells her, feeling torn between guilt and lust. Very good. Do you know their names, she asks. Jake, Samir, and Aaron, the witch answers. Perfect. Don't let them leave, she commands. Don't worry. They have already said they are spending the night in town. I will see you later. Don't say a word to anyone, Magdalene tells her. Will you make it worth my while, Azurine teases. Magdalene promises she will. Feeling a rush of anticipation, Magdalene wills herself back to Epsom, not having time to travel by conventional means. Locating the inn where the three are staying, Magdalene is about to enter when she sees Jake leaving. He is in demon form, and he is alone. Sensing his power is still too strong for her, she decides to go after his weaker companion. And it looks like we're about out of time for this week. So I hope you will tune in for the next episode, and that's it.